Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to today's program, J.P. Wiggins, who is co-founder and vice president of logistics at 3GTMS. And today we're going to talk about Amazon brokerage and Uber Freight, where 3PLs and brokers need to evolve and innovate. Now, for the past few years, there's been a lot of you know, discussion about whether you know, Amazon was turning into a 3PL and about the Uberization of freight. Well, you know, today there's no doubt that Amazon is a, a 3PL as the company continues to add, you know, planes and trucks and uh, uh, freight services to its portfolio of logistics capabilities. And, uh, you know, Uber Freight is now working with, you know, 1,000 shippers and 36,000 carriers uh, based on the company's uh, S1 filing. Uh, so what does this all mean for other 3PLs and brokers uh, in the market? And uh, how can 3PLs and brokers uh, differentiate differentiate themselves in this, you know, ever-changing, you know, competitive landscape, and how can technology help? Uh, so, you know, that's basically the, the main questions we're going to focus on in today's episode, and uh, it's great to welcome uh, JP back uh, to the program to kind of share his perspective and, and insights and advice on this topic. So, JP, welcome. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me back. I mean, interesting topic. I mean, obviously, lots of people talk about this. There's like everyone's got an opinion on this. So, this is all speculative, you know, us looking forward into the future. So nothing could be correct or nothing could be incorrect at this point because it's all looking at our crystal balls. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, that's true about so many things in supply chain logistics, whether it's technology, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, what's happening on the services front and, and, and so forth. I mean, uh, I think what, what always impresses me is that, um, you know, a lot of the predictions that people make today, uh, many of them are wrong. Uh, and then a lot of the things that actually do end up happening, no one even foresaw, you know, today. So I think it's, uh, but, but it's interesting to talk about it. And certainly, you know, this is a topic that, as you said, you know, certainly in the first half of 2019, you know, both Amazon and Uber Freight have made news, you know, with, with implications for the third-party logistics industry. So maybe as a way to get started, I mean, why don't you maybe summarize a little bit about, about what these news has been and then what's your take on what each company is doing? Sure. So I guess starting off with, you know, alphabetically Amazon, Amazon brokerage, you know, what, what is interesting about Amazon brokerage is they, they've announced this in April. And if you want to go to Amazon brokerage website, there's a, there's a brokerage website where you could go and get real time quotes for freight originating and finalizing in the Northeast. Uh, but aside from that, um, what they've actually are, are doing is they're locking up truckload capacity. Um, they're hitting a lot of, let's call it not the mom and pop carriers, but maybe that mid-sized fleet. And they're locking up that capacity exclusives for the Amazon distribution network. And, and it's not a small percent of capacity that they're locking up. They're locking up a lot of this. And their internal reasons, if you read their websites and you talk to Amazon brokerages about this is, well, number one, we know how many billions Amazon is putting for their, into their distribution system. And they have growth plans. And one of their growth plans, they're, you know, the, the, the eggheads in Seattle have determined that one of the things that's going to restrict their growth is carrier capacity in North America. And, and that's going to be a substantial issue. So their idea around this is to lock this up, to lock this, lock this capacity up by giving carriers dedicated loads. Now, with the excess capacity, they've created this company called Amazon Brokerage, which is acting, it's called a brokerage company, but it's acting more like a carrier to a shipper or a 3PL. So if you're a shipper or 3PL, you can hire Amazon brokerage to move your loads. Um, they've been reported that they're operating marginless. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but we know that the, the prices that they're giving, and it's both spot quotes as well as contract rates. So 
Uh, they're selling contract rates. So you can go lock up a contract rate if you want, and they'll, they'll come into that. Um, so it's, it's an interesting lack of capacity that's happening. And let's come back to that in a second after we talk about Uber Freight. Uh, you know, Uber's doing a different business model. Uber obviously doesn't have a distribution network they're looking at, but they know who, you know who Uber is. They, the, you know, the, from the, the personal capacity, their idea is to lock up that mom and pop carrier, that small carrier. And they've done well. What was the, the numbers that you just quoted there the, in their S1? They have 30 some thousand carriers or so that they're using with, which are mostly, you know, small carriers, 10 or less trucks. Um, but that's something that, you know, it's not new. It's not an exclusive offering. There's a lot of folks that have done digital freight, you know, uh, you know, what Landstar and CH Robinson, some of the few others have apps that are out there to lock up drivers to get freights. But this is Uber. Um, you know, your small mom and cop, they know this. And, and especially there's a, something that I picked up on is a, there's a lot of minority type carriers love Uber because it's a very minority friendly, very uh, language friendly to, you know, groups that just, you know, maybe are forgotten about. So it's a, it's a different way for a mom and pop carrier to get the load boards. And interesting enough, uh, they get paid right away. Or, you know, I think it's within five days. So the whole factoring process for a, for a truckload, you know, small truckload carrier just goes away when you get paid in five days. So, so anyway, this leads us to what's going to happen to us in this industry. And um, a, a, a reasonable, significant portion of truckload capacity in North America is getting locked up. Um, what's that going to mean to us? And I think that's how I'm coming at this question. I'm not so much, you know, these digital BMFs are coming into our industry. Well, that's, that's a known thing. But, hey, they've locked up capacity, and they're going to lock up a big piece of it. And what does that really mean? That's how I was kind of trying to approach the question. Yeah, no, those are, those are all great points. I mean, when I look at Amazon and, and certainly that question about, you know, are they becoming a 3PL? And then, I, you know, that's been known for a while, you know, years now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, even with just their Amazon fulfillment, I mean, they've been doing that for, 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 for many, many years on the warehousing side and the fulfillment side. Um, you, you know, for me, when I look at it, it's like, you know, what's, uh, you know, Amazon likes to talk about this is that a lot of what they do is driven by that customer experience, right? They don't want to, they got burned several years ago because of this lack of capacity, right, with the personal mm -hmm. carriers. Um, and because just the, the, the rate of growth of e-commerce has just, you know, uh, exceeded, you know, the, the physical capabilities that some of these other partners have. So they've kind of taken matters into their own hands and building out all these uh, logistics capabilities. And, and as you noted, in this case with trucking capacity, that's, that's another facet of their strategy is to say, hey, you know what? We see that the way we're growing, we need to kind of lock this capacity in and have this capacity. And then what do we do? Hey, you know, we can... We can now that we have this capacity, we can resell some of this that uh, yeah. you know for for backhauls or 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 or, or uh, you know in other cases, uh, and then Uber Freight, you know, same thing. That I mean, I think they're addressing you know part of the market that has uh, you know long been ignored or has been continues to be a challenge, which is that smaller owner operator. How do you bring them into that fold? How do you bring that visibility right. to that you know segment of the market? Um, you know. Uh, that that is the largest segment of the trucking market, which yeah, is over half a million of these guys. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Well, that visibility that you were talking about was exactly right. If you think about it, there's a even with the ELD mandate, you still can't track that mom and pop carrier. Um, you can't track them like you can with somebody that has an ELD because there's so many thousands of different ELD per types of providers. But Amazon's got that locked out. Excuse me, uh, Uber Freight does. I mean, Uber Freight, you know, the driver's running the Uber Freight app. They know right where he's at. Location services are on. So Uber has an API. You can know where your trucks are at for all those mom and pops. And that, that's another little e-commerce benefit that's, you know, not that's kind of being unnoticed, which we're going to hit with. Right. So my, my main takeaway is that I think both these players uh, are basically, um, in, in some ways, waking up 
the three PL and brokerage yeah. industry, and and then that's been happening for some time now. You know, certainly you've got the very large players that have been you know investing in technology all along and 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 all that. But I think generally speaking, I mean, I think what the Amazons and the Ubers have done is to say, look, you know, um, uh, technology is going to play a greater role in this industry moving forward, and um, and it's really focused three uh, PLs and brokers to kind of really question the status quo and say, you know, how are we going to compete? And, you know, what do we need to do differently to be more efficient, more productive, more innovative, you know, moving forward uh, than we have been in, in the past. So, I, which leads me to my next question. I mean, so if I'm a third party logistics provider with brokerage operation, I mean, should I view these developments as, you know, just hype, uh, you know, just the hype of the moment? Or, or do you think there's a real risk to the status quo here? Well, I think there is a real risk to the status quo. You risk being the taxi cab company here in some ways, you know, it, it, but I also see that the technology is going to, this is, I'm really interested in coming back to this video in two years to see how much we're, you know, the world has really evolved, but Amazon and Uber Freight have kind of been stealth here. They, it took a little longer for them to get involved. Um, Uber Freight, especially it took them a little longer than they thought to get involved because brokerage is hard. It's difficult. There's a lot of nuances that you have to really understand the industry, but I, I think they've now, they've gotten through that. I mean, um, and it's something that they're moving forward with. So if you're a, if you're a 3PL or a broker out there, you know, it's something you want to take a look at here. Um, I see Amazon brokerage as a way for you to add capacity. I don't know if I would want to compete against Amazon brokerage. I mean, if you're going to go out and say, I'm going to compete against Amazon, well, I'm going to say good luck to you. Uh, you know, you need to come up with your own service. You need to figure out what is your own technology stack? What is your own fulfillment model? And what, what is your own differentiator? And but, uh, the, you know, summing it all up in one line, I think technology is still going to play a key role. So you need to look at your own tech stack. You know, if you're a 3PL broker, you've got to look at your tech stack because your customers, no matter who they are, are going to expect a high level of tech. And whether that means having the, the best integrations to your customers, automatically integrating with your customers, having customer portals. Of course, I'm a TMS vendor, so I'm going to put TMSs out there. But that, that's where brokers and 3PLs, your main system, your main TMS. And if your TMS isn't of that best tech stack and you can't provide that tech service to your customers, then you are going to be the way the taxi cab. And I think that's really what we're going to see in the next two years. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think history has proven that a lot of times, you know, whether it's, you know, you, you could point to the blockbusters or you could point to the, uh, the Kodaks and, yeah. and, and so forth, right, where it's very easy to be a dominant player in the industry or, you know, to kind of look at some of these upstarts and say, well, they're never going to, you know, they don't really understand the industry. They don't really, yeah. um, they don't have the scale that we do, so on and so forth. And, and ultimately, I think that's probably the, rig the biggest risk that anybody in the industry can can take is ignoring or just completely dismissing what you know the likes of Uber and, and Amazon are doing here because uh, you know at a minimum you have to really pay attention understand you, you know what um, what changes are bringing about and, and and then that leads to kind of what response you should take you know to uh, you know continue to compete and be effective and grow and scale and and, and so forth um, you know so you touched upon a little bit about you know technology here uh, so maybe let's let's broaden the the the, the conversation a little bit. I mean, so, I mean, what capabilities or, or attributes will be important now for, for success moving forward? Um, you know, in other words, I mean, how can 3PLs and brokers differentiate themselves in this changing competitive landscape? Yeah, you know, I, I, a lot of it's going to be being a, to, to provide that, I hate to say it, the Amazon experience, <laughs> which I translate lately into the e-commerce experience, which is when I'm dealing with my 3PL, I want them to diddle with me electronically and digitally. I don't want to have, to, I want it zero touch. 
you know, if I have to manually go in and put in a load, so be it, I'll manually put in a load, but I want it to be as easy as possible. I want then the 3PL to manage that whole transaction seamlessly and just, and, but, but I also want to need, I need to expect that high level of service. I need to know freight visibility, but I also don't want to be alerted when, whenever there's a problem. I want to be alerted on true problems. I want the 3PL to take care of things as much as possible. No touch. I mean, that's kind of the thing that we're running into is that I'm a shipper. I want to focus on being a shipper. Um, you know, cost is going to come into the component here also. And this is the one that Amazon brokerage, if they're operating marginless or operating at low cost and they're able to directly broker to the shippers. I mean, they've already locked up Colgate, Anheuser-Busch. They first went after a couple of really big shippers to, to build out this network to build it. But now they're targeting that SMB shipper. I mean, that's that's what they want to do. They feel they're going to growth is that, that mid-sized shipper is where most of their growth is and 3PL themselves. They will you know, co-broker loads through a 3PL. So that's something they're, they're willing to do. So it's, it is a, it is, it is going to change the world. So if you're that 3PL, you need to figure out, you know, why, why does my customer want to stay with me? And you got to ask yourself that question. You know, what, what, what can I do that'll keep my customer? And you can't just rely on cost anymore because that cost isn't, isn't the driving factor. If you're just going to rely on cost, then, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're going to lose that battle. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I've done research over the past couple of years, um, actually for, for many years, but, I, but, but, you know, if you went back a few years ago, uh, let's say five, six, seven, eight years ago, and you talk to logistics executives, and they could be from shippers or, or 3PLs, and by far the number one thing driving innovation or, you know, where they were focused on was, was all on cost, right? It was about, all about cost minimization or competing on cost and, and, and so forth because it was very cost-dominated. Uh, you know, perspective. And, and, you know, sadly, I think there's still a lot of companies that operate, you know, right. that way. But what, but the trend that we've been seeing over the past few years is that for the more progressive and innovative companies is what's driving innovation. It's, it's not cost reduction. It's enhancing that customer experience, right? They're starting to compete yeah. on customer experience. So you, you talked about at the beginning of your comment there, you know, what do they need to do? Well, it's you know, to compete on that Amazon experience or that customer experience. And I think you're right. And I think that's where, you know, obviously technology, you know, plays a role there because technology is one of those enablers that makes it easier to communicate, makes it easier to interface with your company, uh, to provide that visibility that, you know, we all talk about. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I, I've always said that 3PLs and brokers are, are in the technology in business intelligence analytics business as much as they are in the uh, moving freight business. I mean, do you agree with that? And yeah, yeah. and it's, it is not just the cost side related to it, even though cost is always kind of important that customer service we talked about, but it actually comes, makes a full circle right back to cost. Once you start bringing in the business analytics, business intelligence, and we sometimes go too crazy thinking you need to slice and dice and all this. No, you just need scorecarding for 90% of what you're trying to do. So if you're able to do good scorecarding, with your customers and provide your customers good scorecarding on carriers and brokers and, and performance and lanes that then turns into cost savings. So it's a, it's a, it's a roundabout from the, from the, the good side, which is, yeah, it's going to, you need to improve the customer experience, but at the same time, you're generating great data for BA, BI scorecarding, you know, just, and that's, and that then, you know, completes the cycle, then use that scorecarding data in your operation. So it kind of makes that whole, and okay, then you can call that machine learning if you want, if you automate that. But that's that's really what it comes down to is being able to improve your operations with better data. And that's that's what your customers are looking for. So, you know, it's very interesting because we just did, uh, you know, on the research arm of our of our company, right. you know, in Dago, we just did a, 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 re, a survey of our uh, supply chain executives. 
and the survey was, are your carriers scorecarding you? Uh-huh. And are they sharing that information with you? And because there's a lot of, you know, we've written about that and there's certainly a lot of press about that. Surprisingly, albeit we have a relatively smaller community, but surprisingly, not that many shippers are getting that kind of feedback from their right. carriers and, and 3PLs. And the comments that we received was that they would welcome that for the same point that you, you mentioned there because it would help drive continuous improvement for them, right? We all talk about wanting to be a shipper of choice uh, for the for, for They need that data. They need that feedback from the carriers and the, and the, uh, right. the 3PLs to understand where they should be focusing on so they can attack those problems. Well, even like your, your fulfillment centers, your, your, let's, let's use regular terms here, your warehouses that are picking up and delivery. Uber's now ranking those. The driver ranks those facilities, and they're now starting to publish those results. So, if, you know, let's say Uber really gets really big here. You have a five-star facility. Five-star facilities get drivers right now. It's it's one fifth the time of a, of a like a four-star facility. So, and if you're and what what's determining between a two or three or four-star facility on Uber? Well, that's basically detention times. Did you get them unloaded in time? You know, where the facility is clean. It's it's the things that you don't think about as a shipper because as a shipper you force it on your vendors and customers and stuff like that before but if you're getting good scorecard and you're saying well my facilities are good or my facilities are bad but it's where you can improve you improve your facilities reduce your demerge time you know get your carriers loaded in and out well they can service you faster if they can service you faster they can charge you less rates and then in the in the world now that's that's becoming you know if uber freight you know if you got drivers that are making selection do i haul your freight versus somebody else you may be picked to choose a higher cost carrier because you didn't get your load covered yeah, not, absolutely. So it's that visibility that did. And obviously that's where, you know, a TMS comes in, right? Because a TMS, you know, in many ways is that hub of, you know, that repository of so much valuable data and insight that if you're able to mine that data, you know, that becomes valuable for shippers, becomes valuable for the carriers, and becomes valuable for the 3PLs and the brokers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do on the TMS side is bring together the order data from the order management system, the warehouse data, bring together the carrier data, you know, bring together the cost data, bring together the finance data and the customer data and bring it all into one data model and then, you know, cleanse it. That's a big piece of what we have to do is cleanse it. But then you put your business intelligence on top of it. So, uh, you know, we're kind of excited to see what's going to happen here with the Amazon brokerage and Uber Freight because it's, it's, it's another method. It's almost like it becomes another method of transportation for us, but it gives us more data. It's like we're just dying. This the, the owner operators. You know, we haven't been able to get data from them. You know, we know when they deliver. We know when they pick up. Uh, you know, we lose them in transit, and you know, it's just another data point to have. And so it's it's kind of exciting to us. You know, more data. I you know, I just love it. So it's yeah. So I mean, I think I, I think what it'll do is you know unlock as we've just talked about it. You know, unlock opportunities for innovation. Unlock opportunities for continuous improvement. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. unlock opportunities to really strengthen relationships between between all the stakeholders and in, in, in the ecosystem here. Um, you know, JP, we're, we're running short on time here. So I mean, as as a way to wrap up, I mean, in, in light of Amazon and Uber and and others, you know, what they're doing in the market. I mean, what actions should three PLs and, and brokers take today to to respond? you know, effectively and, and conversely, I mean, what's the biggest mistake they can make? Ignoring, ignoring what's going to happen here over the next 18 months. Uh, it, it's, you know, what's, what Uber Freight is doing is not new. I mean, it's something, but it's now starting to gain traction. If it gains significant traction, then we don't know if Uber Freight's going to co-broker to a broker. We know they'll let, you know, 3PLs and shippers book loads to them, but if you're a broker, how are you going to, how are you going to deal with that? And the same with the uh, Amazon brokerage itself. If, if they're able to broker marginalists or at small margins of costs, uh, what's that going to do to your market? If you're dealing with selling to you know small mid-sized shippers and that's your primary market, you know you're gonna you're gonna struggle because us 
a significant portion of our capacity is now getting locked up by these two big companies. And if they've got that capacity locked up, they're going to be able to rule. So, so what are that? So in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about competing on customer experience and competing on technology, I mean, you talked about another yeah. thing is really just kind of taking a step back and looking at the technology stack that you have and, and looking at the, you know, how, you know, what you may need, where those gaps are between what your customers are expecting and, and you don't have a long window competition is where you are today. Yeah. Right? You're, you really need to look at that now. I think your window of opportunity for looking at your tech stack and making sure that you're going to be ready for this next generation is now, now's your time to actually make that decision. And otherwise you're going to be that taxi cab. You're going to be sitting there looking, you know, why don't I get freight or, you know, why don't I get freight anymore? Why aren't people calling me anymore? I mean, now's your time. You don't have, but the window isn't long. I mean, like I said, two years, I'm really curious to see what happens to our industry in two years because it's about to change. I don't know where it's going to change and how it's going to change, but I guarantee you it's changing now. It's going to change very significantly in the next two years. I think that, that that's the best quote because I think you're right. We, we never quite fully know exactly how it's going to change and what the future is going to look like. All we really do know is that it's going to be different two years from now. It's, it's not going to be manual. That's it. If, you're, if you're planning on doing things manually in the next two years, you are a taxi cab. I mean, that's, that's what I could tell you. So great. Biggest protection. So great. Well, like we always do in, the, in these episodes, you know, we always just manage to get the conversation started. Uh, and certainly we, we've uh, put out a lot of uh, ideas out there and, and uh, you know, certainly I think it'll be, it will be interesting to take a look back at this episode two years from now and, and see where, where we were right, let's say, or where uh, we, we, we veered off course. But uh, by the way, JP, uh, as always, thank you for making the time to be with us and, and kind of share your, your insights and perspective on this, uh, you know, uh, exciting topic. Great. Glad to be here. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the 3G TMS uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for JP, uh, you can post it there. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. Have a good day.